Hey everybody, welcome to this evening. I'm so glad to be with you and I just want to say hello to Pastor Bibi. Hello Prince, Lovely, and all of the March of Faith family and pastors. Hello. I am so honored and privileged to be with you tonight and be a part of this E Festival of Faith uh, Still Standing Conference and I just praise God for you. I just want to say thank you for receiving me again. Uh, Salamat. And I love you so very much. I have missed you, and I just pray that mercy and peace and grace be multiplied to you in the Philippines and to the whole of the March of Faith Conference. I just pray that the blessings of God would manifest in every way. I just praise God for you. Listen, I have missed you so much, and I've been longing to get there, and I've been really uh, wanting to see you. Actually, I've, I've had dreams. I believe the Lord has given me uh, about you, and I've, you've been on my heart. We've been praying for you. We've been uh, lifting you up in prayer, and we've been believing God and agreeing that the will of God would be done in you, in your churches, and uh, just praising God for that. Uh, so much so that the other night I had a dream that I was eating balut. <laughs> and I, I've never had it, but I literally had a dream that I was eating it. All of the taste and texture and everything, I guess my mind came up uh, with an idea of what that might be like, and uh, I woke up missing the Philippines. I love you guys so very much, and I miss you. Miss you. I long to be with you again as soon as possible. I am so honored for you to have me. And uh, Pastor Beebe, thank you so much uh, for the invitation. I know that this week you've had many great speakers, and it's my honor and my privilege uh, to just build your faith tonight, to strengthen you in the Word of God, and I look forward to it. I also want to say to you, uh, congratulations on the weightlifting gold medal. I was shouting and praising God uh, for that. I thought that was awesome, and what a great story and testimony. Congratulations uh, to the Philippines. So as we jump in tonight, I'd like for you to get your Bible and go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. We're talking tonight about this. It is harvest time. Say it with me. It is harvest time. It is harvest time. And uh, for the last three and a half months here at our church, We've been in a series looking at 1 Peter chapter 4. I didn't plan on it being a series, but the Holy Spirit kept us there, and it really came alive to us. The interesting thing about 1 Peter chapter 4 is that it's all about suffering. And many times when we hear the word suffering, we have a worldly idea of suffering and we have a worldly approach to it. Now, I'm not going to take the time to break that down and teach everything that I've taught for three and a half months. But what I am going to say to you is this. The biblical look at suffering is that we put the flesh down, put on the mind of Christ, and walk in the victory now, we have relief from the pressure of the world, and we actually move into God's victory through His glory and His grace. So many times when people talk about suffering, one of the things that they're looking at is just enduring, and they have no hope 
for it to come to an end. Uh, I'll make it through, but I'm not going to have the victory. This is not the biblical account of suffering, and it's very clear in 1 Peter chapter 4. You can see it where even uh, verse 1 and 2 say, arm yourself or take, take the weapon of the suffering. And then it goes on to say, you're putting down the flesh. Do put down the flesh, the corrupted nature like Christ did. And that is arming yourself with the suffering. The suffering is that our flesh, our corrupted sin, our corrupted sin nature doesn't get to have its way. No, the spirit of God's nature that we are created in has its way. And so once we realize that, we step into the place where the glory and the grace of God can explode in our lives and manifest victory and fulfill what you see in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. And it says, thanks be unto God who always leads us in Christ and manifest, always leads us in triumph, always leads us in victory in Christ and manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of God in every place. So this is every place in every area of our life, whether we find ourselves in a place that we don't understand, every area, God is leading us to triumph. He's leading us to victory. If you believe that, shout amen and receive that victory in your spirit even now. And so as he leads us to victory, the rest of that verse says, it's not just a spiritual victory that we never see manifestation of. No, he manifested. He brings it into being in our hands, in the physical. God is not just wanting us to look towards a victory when we go to heaven. God wants to manifest it now in your life, in our life. And so I want you to say it with me. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. So let's read from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. And in verse 7 through 11, it says this, The end of all things is near. I want you to know, first off, that we are in the last of the last days. Christ is coming soon. He is, he is on the horizon right now. We are in the last of the last days. This is 2,000 years ago being spoken that the end of all things is near. How much more close are we today? And when the world looking the way that it looks, the signs of the time show us that we are very, very close to the return of Christ. Now, with that in mind, if he gave them instructions on the last days right, right here in 1 Peter, how much more should you and I receive these instructions today? So in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. And so we want to not be drunk on the ideas of a corrupted world, but we want to be sober in our spirit. We don't want to let thoughts and emotions and newscast. We don't want to let news reports and, and fear and viruses and everything else get us drunk 
in the soul, the mind, will, and emotion. But we want to be of sober spirit for the things of God. Verse 8 says, above all, and for the purpose of prayer. It is a time to pray and not pray where we, we think that nothing's going to happen. No, pray knowing knowing that God is going to come through, knowing that he's going to manifest victory in our lives, knowing that it is a time for it. Look at this, verse 8, above all, since it's the last of the last days, above all, keeping fervent in your love for one another. This word fervent means like boiling. It's boiling inside of you. Be fervent in your love. You know, you can look around at the people that are sitting around you and you ought to think, how can I show my love that's overflowing? How can I show love that's overflowing to my brother and sister in Christ? How can I show that godliness towards them? He says, since it's the last days, be fervent in your love towards one another because love covers a multitude of sin. You know, one of the things is when we give love to one another and to our neighbor, we stop looking at what they did wrong and we give them mercy. And when we start walking by that love, we step out of that sin as well. This keeps us clear from having the wrong mind, the wrong heart, the wrong actions. Verse 9, because the end is near. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Don't, don't complain when you have to be uh, give somebody some extra hospitality, some extra love. Don't complain about it. Just give it. Just give it. You've been given to freely. Now let's freely give what Christ gave to us. He gave us that love. He gave you that love. Let's walk in that. Verse 10, as each one of us has received a special gift, the, the word says that each one of us is carrying giftings and callings of God. Each one of us has things that God has gifted in us. Every one of us individually has something that we can sow and give into the kingdom of God. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Let's not take our gifts and set it to the side. Let's not sit at home and, and not use our gifts in church, in the assembly, in the gathering together of the saints. I can't let my gift sit in a corner and collect dust and not be used. No, and because the end is near, all the more should I take the giftings that God has put in me and should I make sure that I'm using that gift to serve the family of God, to serve the world with his love. This is, these are things he's telling us to make sure we do, especially now that we're in the last of the last days. He says this, he says, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now this, this statement, manifold grace of God, means that God will take every gift. He'll take this gift and, and this gift and, and this gift and, and this gift and that gift, and he'll combine it all into a grace that has nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing lacking. But he won't, he won't have that available if we don't make ourselves available. We must take it upon ourselves because it's the, the end is near. It's the last of the last days. I've got to say, Lord, I'm yours. Let me make sure that I give my gift. And God has all those pieces together in my community, in, in your community. And he's got everybody that's 
fulfilling what they're called to do, and he'll bring them together, and all of a sudden, the grace of God, the supernatural power of God is let loose in a community, in the Philippines, in your community, in my community, everywhere we are doing what God has called us to do, releasing that gift, and the grace of God can come in and start answering questions bringing solutions, solving problems, and in every way. Just in the last few months, we've seen people healed instantaneously. We've seen chronic diseases go away. We've seen financial burdens uh, be completely removed. God, we've seen people come to the Lord and commit to Christ fresh, be filled with the Spirit. We've seen people receive the fire of God where they're changed forever. We've seen all of these things going as the manifold grace of God is released. I believe, hear me, and and I know other people may be watching this, but this is specifically going to the Philippines, a word for the Philippines. You've been on my heart. God's God's been talking to me about you. I believe this is a time for the Philippines to rise up in who they are called to in Christ and the body of Christ to take their place and let the gifting of God flow through them and out into that world for that nation to be shaken with the fire and the love and the passion for Christ. And so, Father, I'll just pray right now. Let these things be done. Let your manifold grace be released into the nation. Let your manifold grace be released and solve the issues. Lord, let it be supernatural. Father, let your hand be seen and let it not draw back. Let your hand be so clear that people will look at it and know this was not man's doing. This was not natural. This was supernatural. This was God. God has done great things for the people in the Philippines. It was God. If you believe that, say amen. Men. So then he says this, verse 11, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. In other words, church, we don't just say what we want to say. Our words, even in conversation with our neighbor uh, in the street, in the marketplace, we're, we're not just speaking what we want to say as a person. No, we are ambassadors of God. And when we go, we don't just make stuff up. Well, I think God is saying this. No, no, no. Either God is saying it or he's not, but we don't speak idle words. We speak the words of God. You are an ambassador of Christ. If you are born again, you are his ambassador. Don't make something up. Don't just speak worldly thoughts, corrupted thoughts. No, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your words be words that produce. You're made in the image and likeness of God. Let his words produce life in your nation, life in your home, life in your churches. Let his word produce. The one who speaks is to do so is speaking as speaking the utterances of God, not of man, not of himself, but he's speaking for God. He's letting God speak through him. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. We don't serve and work on our own, on our own strength. 
No, we serve in the strength of God. The Lord tells me to do something. Many times I don't even have the power to get it done. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. But just because I don't have the resources doesn't mean it can't be done. No, I just say, yes, Lord. Say it with me. Say, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, whatever you tell me to do, I will say, yes, Lord. Yes and amen. I will say what you say. Yes, and so be it. And even if it looks like it's not possible, there's a grace. There's a supply of God. And God is calling you up to that church in the Philippines. Philippine church. God is calling you up right now. He's drawing you up. He's having you stand and having done all stand and be who God's created you to be. You are made in his image. You are made in his likeness. You have a call on you. And no matter what it looks like, no matter what stands in your way, be it a giant or a void or a lack of people and a lack of resources, if God has called it, God will provide for it. If God has said it, he will fulfill it. And all he's looking for is people whose heart is pure towards him that he might show himself strong on their behalf. If somebody will say, Lord, use me and I'll do what you tell me to do, that person is in a perfect position for God to do the supernatural through them. Will you be used by God? He says, whoever serves is to do as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, not by his own supply, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God is desiring to find a person. Is it going to be you? from this day forward, who says, Lord, everything you tell me to do, I will do. If you tell me not to do it, I'm not doing it. But if you tell me to do something, I might not have the strength or the supply on my own, but I will draw from your supply and we will get this thing done so that we can glorify you. You have all the dominion, all of the honor. Lord, it's our honor and our pray, our opportunity to praise you, to worship you, to serve you. Is he calling you? Is he calling you today? The next thing I want to look at is this. Now that we've established what's going on in this end times and what our response is, I want to show you this. Again, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. Look at this. Because these last few years have been very interesting. <laughs> it's been some of the most interesting years I've ever seen in my life, and I know interesting years in your life as well. I want you to look at verse 12 and 13, because have any of you been challenged in these last few years? It's many of you that I know from the conference, uh, have you been challenged in ways that you've never been challenged before. I want you to see this from the Spirit of God in verse 12. Verse, verse 12 says this. It says, Beloved, you're his beloved. If you're in the family of God, you are his beloved. And he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Listen, we're in a corrupted world. We're in a world where people are thinking the wrong things. They're 
meditating on the wrong things. They're acting and taking the wrong actions. They're operating by the flesh and through a corrupted flesh and through sin. They're not operating because of the morals of God. They're not operating in holiness. They don't even know God. The Word tells us clearly that if we have not received love, we won't have love. We won't have love in us and morals in us if we've not received these things. And so people that haven't received God have been doing ungodly things. And they've been, they've been trying to do things the way they think they should be done without any guide of what to do or how to do it. And in the midst of that, Christians and even just, you know, just people will come under fire. They'll come under uh, a, a corruption that's in the world. They'll come under challenges. Many people could come down sick with diseases. They could have uh, edicts and laws that the government said, you got to do it this way now. There could be challenges, and the Bible calls these these fiery ordeals. And this is what he tells us. He says, don't be surprised when those things come. Don't be surprised when those fiery challenges come. But then he says this, he, he says, for your testing, it's not that God needs to know where you are. It's a proof of God's power through you. The question is, it's kind of if you can imagine two pe people, two different types of people. The first one, he comes under a fiery ordeal and he crumbles under the pressure. Does God get any glory out of that? He goes, he thinks, I just got to suffer for Jesus, but he's thinking about suffering in a worldly perspective, not going to victory, but going through this is going to hurt and I'll just be glad when it's over. Does God get glory for that? No. God gets glory when his supernatural power flows through a believer, flows through a brother or sister in Christ, and all of a sudden in the midst of what looks like could kill him, could sink him, could put him under, all of a sudden the supernatural power of God comes out of him. And there's a testimony to be had. And people say, he couldn't have done this by himself. So the first person sits there and is crushed by it. The second one feels the pressure, goes through the fiery ordeal, but there's a testing of his faith. And his faith comes alive in that moment. And having done all, stand. And he receives a harvest of the victory of God in the midst of it. And the onlookers, the people that are looking on, say, my goodness, look at what God has done. This is exactly what it says in Psalms. I believe it's 126 when it says, even the heathen or the nations will say, look, God has done great things for them. In other words, even people that don't know God, don't know him, will give him glory because of the testimony of victory that comes through a believer that stands no matter what they face. Now, I want you to see this. Verse 13 says, But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Now, I want you to know this. I'm, I, I told you I wasn't going to take time to go into it and teach it and go through. Here's what this means. When we share in the sufferings of Christ, what we're doing, if you back up to the beginning of the chapter, it shows you this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 specifically. It shows you 
that sharing the sufferings of Christ is just as Christ told his feelings and his flesh, no, I will not sin. I will not go off of the path of God. If we will share in that same suffering where we put the corrupted flesh down, the thing that suffers is the corrupted flesh, not you, the born-again person made in the spirit and the image and likeness of God. Not you, but that corrupted flesh nature, that's what suffers. And if we will share in putting down the flesh, the Bible tells you, keep on rejoicing. Keep on rejoicing. Why? Watch this. Keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory. Again, I'm not going to teach us. This is not talking about a revelation of his glory when Jesus comes back. This is talking about a revelation of his glory right now, in this time, in this trial that you're going through, in this testing that you're going through. It's a revelation of his glory. And what's his glory for? So that God can be seen for who he is. Right now, the devil may have stuff coming at you. He may, be, he may be trying to pile on a mess on your life. But here's the issue. When you do what this conference is telling you to do, to stand in the midst of it, there will be a revelation of the glory of God. There will be a revelation of God's glory to be seen by everyone, and God will get the glory for it. And then it says, at the revelation of his glory, you will rejoice with an exaltation. You'll have an exalting word on your, on your lips because God has done great things for you and for me. Glory to God. When we, here's what I want you to see. When we put down the flesh, it, it's not just telling our flesh not to sin. How about this? If we want to get to the revelation of his glory, then we must take on the suffering of Christ by putting down the flesh. And I want you to see this because in the last couple of years, it's been different than I've ever seen it. And that's why it's so important to talk about this. Many people have been discouraged. Many people have been beat down. Many people have been talked bad about. And after a while of that, I mean, if you just had that happen for a month, it can, it can weigh on you. It can get you down. It, many of you have seen, uh, you know, even many of you maybe have seen growth in your church, but maybe there's a church that's seen decrease in their church, decrease in finances, decrease in some of those things. And after a while, that stuff, it feels like in the natural, in the flesh, to weigh on you. And so when we put on the sufferings of Christ or we put away fleshly things, one of the things that we have to do is we have to recognize these feelings of discouragement, these emotions, these sad emotions, this, this I can't do anything thinking, this I'm not worth anything thoughts. That is ungodly. God says, as I am, so are you in this world, Jesus says. As I am, so are we in this world. That's what his word says. We are like him. We're made in his image and likeness. He says, I have made you adequate. I have made you able. They are overcomers. They are more than conquerors. 
But in times like this, sometimes those feelings come and they weigh on us and and we were good for a week or two weeks or a month, but after a while, discouragement comes in and people are not where they need to be or even they're still going, but they really are not grasping by faith for the great things and the great victories that God has planned. And, and so, whereas used to, they would have reached with great faith for those things. Now they, they're just happy to survive. And that's where the devil wants people to live, not thriving in the Zoe life of God, but just surviving in a natural world. So when we suffer with Christ, and that means we put down the flesh, we put down the thoughts and the attitudes and the spirit of heaviness. We put that off and we put on a garment of praise. Oh, Lord. Things are changing right now. I want you just right now, wherever you are, as long as you're not driving or however you're watching this, right now, just start saying it with me. Close your eyes if you can. Lift your hands. Lord, right now, things are changing. Things are changing. Things are looking up. I'm not setting my eyes on the temporary affliction, the momentary and light affliction, but I'm setting my eyes above on you, Jesus. I'm setting my eyes on you instead of the wind and the waves and the storm. Lord, I set my eyes on you because you are the God that in the midst of the worst storm can pull me out, calm the seas, do the supernatural, and release the power of heaven. I'm not bound by the laws of a corrupted world. No, I'm set free in liberty by the laws of a spiritual kingdom. Glory to God. I'm at liberty by the laws of a heavenly kingdom. I set my eyes above. This is you. Believer, I'm talking to you. Let's, let's rise up. Let's grab a hold of who Christ has made you to be. He's made you that new creation created in his image. You're the overcomer, more than a conqueror. This is who you are, his great ambassador. And you're not done. It's time to stand. It's time to stand. We put down those sad feelings. We put down discouragement. Listen to this. We put down a lack of vision. Maybe you had great vision two years ago. Maybe you had great vision. But this last two two years has beat you up. It's worn on you. It's been heavy on you. And you, you're, you're having a hard time even seeing vision to tomorrow. It's time to pick up vision. It's time to cry out to God, Lord, I know you have more vision for me than what I'm seeing now. And see, I may be talking to somebody who has great vision now, but I, let me encourage you, even us that have great vision, I find myself doing this all the time. Lord, give me more vision. Let me, let me see more. I want to see more vision. I want to see beyond what I see right now. You may have great vision a year out, five years out, 10 years, 20. Lord, show more vision. Because when that vision becomes a reality, then the people can run by it. When it becomes such a reality that I can make that vision plain. People need vision. We need vision. What if we've had a lack of vision? It's time to cast off. The, those pieces of the flesh, 
It's time to suffer with Christ by putting down that fleshly thought of a lack of vision, accepting a lack of vision as normal. That's not right. It's not normal to God. It might be normal to a corrupted world, but it's not normal to an ambassador of God. And you are his beloved. You are his ambassador. Grab a hold of that vision. Grab a hold. Lord, give me vision. Like Moses said, Father, show me your glory. Get it inside of you. It's time to cast off a lack of hope, a joy confidence, expectation. If we have a lack of joy, a lack of confidence, a lack of expectation, cast that off. Right now I speak to it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, every lack of hope, every bit that's been trying to steal the joy out of God's people, be bound now and come off of those people. Every piece that has been trying to hold back their confidence. Come off now. Loose your grip and fall off every person now. Every place that's been trying to come against that believer. Every thought, every demonic thing that's been trying to hold back their expectation of the supernatural things of God. Come off of them now in Jesus' name. Father, right now, let your fire burn up every bond and let hope come back alive inside your believers, inside your ambassadors. How about a lack of faith? Lord, I want to I believe in you and I want to trust you. It's just been so difficult. Lord, right now, I just ask everything that's come against this faith, Come against our faith, Lord. Let it be bound. Let the grip be loosed and let it become unraveled and fall off. Lord, on purpose, we've cast off a spirit of heaviness and we put on, on purpose, a garment of praise knowing that your faith is coming through, knowing, Lord, that your faith is coming through, knowing right now, Lord, let there be an impartation of the gift of faith. In the name of Jesus, let that gift of faith rise upon your people and let them do great and mighty works for you. Those that know their God will do exploits. Lord, let it come to pass now. Let that gift of faith, let it drive down deep into each believer. Let it find a root and let it never be uprooted again, but let it be solid. Lord, let that gift of faith be inside of each person here in this message and let it never turn back. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. The scripture that You've been looking at during this conference in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be on the alert. Don't be drunk. Be sober. Stand firm in faith. This is a commandment to you and me. Don't don't be set one way or the other. Don't be knocked off track. Don't be knocked out of the way. Stand firm. God's telling us stand firm. And if he told us to do it, he's given us something on the inside of us that we can do it. We can stand, stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Don't be beat up. Don't be, don't let, don't let the world weigh on you. No, stand strong. I've had enough of this. I'm standing in the faith of God. Glory to God. <laughs> it's 
harvest time. Say it with me one more time. It's harvest time. Are you receiving your harvest right now? See, you're not going to receive a harvest of what God's called you to. Provision in your finances, members in your church, souls being won, disciples being made, gifts, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, working of miracles, the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural power of God, healings, faith, the grace of God made man. You're not going to receive that if you don't learn how to receive it in your spirit now. Lord, I know I'm receiving my harvest right now. In the name of Jesus, as this word preached might be foolishness to the world. It might be foolishness to the world, but no, there's something that's being transferred. There's an impartation that's being transferred of the life of God. I'm receiving, I believe, like Mark 11 says, I believe I have received my harvest today. If you're a pastor, receive your harvest for your ministry. If you're, a, if you're a mom or a dad, receive your harvest for your home. If you're a business owner, receive your harvest in your business. If you, receive your harvest of the wisdom of God. Receive the supernatural grace of God for your harvest today. It's harvest time. Are you receiving it? I want to look at two stories real quick. Two of my favorite stories I is just I love them. I love these stories. There's pieces in them that are so much. And it's like every time I read them, I see something new. Even today, as I was reading them again, the Lord showed me something I've never seen before. But I want to show you something. Many of you have been called. God's called you into his family. For pastors, you have a calling into your community. You have a calling into ministry, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You have a calling into ministry. If you are just a believer, if you're not a five-fold minister, if you're not an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, if you're not that, you have a calling to still go and make disciples, win souls, operate. It says those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll cast out. The... You are called with a calling to walk in supernatural power, supernatural power. You are called. There's a calling. I want you to see something about this, and now I want you to think about it. You have a purpose. You have a mission. God's given you vision. He's given you the base of that vision to every believer in the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the beginning of your mission, and it's power-packed. You are called to do great, mighty things. Every one of us, every believer has a calling. When this, in Luke chapter 5, there was a calling of men. And I want to look at that. I want to show you something at this. You know, many times when we're called, there's a great peace that comes. There's a great love of God that comes in. And God's presence and his power is it's so overwhelming and it was so beautiful. And many times we'll have that moment and then we go through the weeks and months and we forget that calling. And we want to go back to the power of it and the beauty of it. And then the world kind of 
discourages many people. And I've seen many ministers, and I've felt it myself before, where discouragement tried to come in, and I've had it try to come in and get in. And there's that moment when we have to just say, no, I'm going to put down the thoughts of the flesh. Well, here's this calling. I want you to see the power of it. And look at this. I love this. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him, around Jesus, and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began to teach the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and we caught nothing. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. Now, I want you to see this. Here he is. They're meeting each other. Jesus preaches from the boat. All of a sudden, they've been working all night. They didn't catch anything. Now they're cleaning their nets. This is, this is not harvest time. This is not time. We, we worked all night and caught nothing. That's not a good harvest time. I'm cleaning up. That's not a good harvest time. But God saw something in the spirit that Simon Peter couldn't see. There was something there that he couldn't see in the natural. I'm telling you right now, you've been called by God, and there's something right now that we can't see in the natural, but we can see it with eyes of faith. We can see it in our calling of God. We can see the promises in this book of promises, in this truth. We can see the promise of God. There's something there at His Word. He dropped the nets. It is time for us to recognize that it is harvest time. Didn't Jesus say the fields are white for harvest? That was then. They're even more white now. It is harvest time. Say it again out loud. It's harvest time. See it with eyes of faith. It didn't look like it in the natural. It looked like the worst time to, to put down, put out the nets. It looked like the worst time. For many of us, these last couple of years have looked like the worst time. But I'm telling you, there's a switch happening right now. There's a change happening, and people, believers, are getting it. The Holy Spirit's drawing them up. Something's happening on the inside, and they're realizing it's harvest time right now. It's harvest time right now. It's harvest time. Lord, it doesn't look like it's harvest time. We we fished all night. We know what we're doing. We didn't catch anything. It, we've been working for years in this church. We've been working for years in this ministry. We've been working for years to believe for our family member. It doesn't look like harvest time, but there's something rising up on the inside of us. It's harvest time. The Holy Spirit's drawing it up, speaking to us. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. And although it doesn't look like it in the natural, can we with eyes of faith throw the nets out? Again, <laughs> can we throw our faith out? Lord, Lord, I trust you. Oh my goodness, what happened? 
Recognize, watch this, I want to say this to you because the Lord's been speaking to me directly about this and I believe he wanted me to pass it to you. Recognize harvest time for your life. Recognize, learn to recognize harvest time for your ministry. And I'm telling you, in Jesus' name, it is harvest time for March of Faith. It is harvest time in this festival of faith. It is harvest time for the Philippines. It's harvest time for What's Right and Boomerang Church. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Do you realize this took effort? It took a going out. There was a second going out. They'd already been out. They had come in. I got I to gotta get the boat ready to go out. I got to get things prepared. I got to put things in place so we can go out into the deep water, not the shallow water just for a test. No, if you're going to have a deep water catch, you got to get in the deep water. You got to go to the place. You got to go in by faith. Lord, I'm diving in by faith. Lord, I trust you. I hear your word. Now, listen, don't just go thinking you heard from God, hear from God, confirm it. You get your confirmation from the Lord. But when you've heard from the Lord and it's a clear instruction, now you go and you get out into that. Get prepared to go out there. Get prepared, not the shallow stuff. No, God wants to do something big. It's harvest time. Simon said, Master, we worked hard all night and we caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. At your word, Lord, I'm letting down the nets. At your word, I'm going. I'm telling you tonight, the Lord is giving you a word. It's harvest time. Lord, at your word, I I receive harvest time. Lord, at your word, I'm setting out into the deep. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you, Lord. It hasn't looked like harvest time. It hasn't felt like harvest time for the last two years. I haven't felt like standing. I haven't felt the joy. I haven't felt the confidence. But Father, at your word, at your word, there's a word being preached to you by the Spirit of God today. At your word, it's harvest time. It's harvest time at your word. When they had done this, let down the nets, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets, so much so, their nets began to break. Their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to, to sink. So now, not only do they have this huge harvest, but it's such a harvest that every person that was connected with them was abundantly blessed. It didn't just bless them, it blessed them all. Just like, just like when they were, Paul and Silas were in the jail. God didn't just bless Paul and Silas, He broke all the chains off. In the name of Jesus, every chain fall off of these people, Lord. Every chain fall off of us. Let Let that weightiness, let that heaviness be broken in Jesus' name. Lord, by your spirit and by your anointing, freedom come now in every home, in every church, in every ministry, all across the Philippines, all across what's right in Boomerang Church, every partner, Lord. Let that freedom come now. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Every partner was blessed abundantly. Every partner was blessed supernaturally. I'm telling you right now, there's people that have connected to you as a child of God, and they're about to be blessed because of the overflowing favor of God in your life. They're about to walk in such an overflowing blessing because they know you and they've partnered with your ministry. They know you and they're connected with you. They're they're there to help fulfill that vision. I want you to see this. How great was this act? So great that Peter, upon seeing this, drops to the feet of Jesus Because he recognized, I'm not a holy man, but I'm standing in front of one. And maybe this wasn't the right thing for Peter to do, but I like that he recognized there was somebody standing in front of him that was different. He esteemed Jesus. And and he said, said, Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm not even worthy. To be around you. Look at what he did. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now, going away from Peter is the last thing that Jesus actually wanted. Jesus was wanting Peter to come to him, not go away from him. So these words by Peter, they might not have been the right words, but his heart to esteem Jesus and to recognize. In other words, he humbled himself at the feet of Jesus and said, Lord, outside of you, I'm not worthy. Now, which one of us outside of Jesus is worthy to do this? None of us. Outside of Jesus, none of us is worthy to do this. But with Jesus, we can do great and mighty things. For amazement had seized Peter and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. I want you to see this. This was such a powerful move that every person around was blown away. Every person around was amazed and astonished at what was actually happening. They were amazed and astonished at this. It caused them to say, I've got to work on me. I've got to get better. This is not right. It it calls them to say, this is not who I need to be. I need to be operating higher. I need to be operating at a higher level. It calls them to say, Lord, I need to work on me. Let the calling and the supernatural power of God Work on you today. Don't stay at the same place and and let's not put on pride that thinks that we've arrived because we're a pastor or we've arrived because we're a minister or we arrived because we know Jesus and we're going to heaven. But let us continually put down the flesh and grow to look more and more like Jesus. Which of us has been operating at such a high level that the glory of God has been laying people out and healing people everywhere and and the glory just overwhelms people and, and knocks them out with the power of God and souls are being saved by the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions because we're walking so much like Jesus. I I don't know anybody that's walking like that. So let's you and I go to the place of humility that says, Lord, I need more grace in my life. Let me go to holiness. Let me recognize that I have room to grow. 
verse 10 and 11. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. When they brought their boats to land, they had left everything and followed This was the calling, basically, of the disciples. This was the calling. This was where God said and performed a supernatural transformation in their heart and in their minds, so much so that they left what they were doing and went and followed Jesus. They left that. They said, I'm not going to live by the way I have been living. I'm going after Christ. I'm going after Jesus. I'm following him to become now not a fisher of fish, but I will be a fisher of men. That should happen in each of our lives where we are not, you know, you may work as a uh, seamstress. You may make clothing. But if you know Jesus, your real job is ambassador of Christ first. And making clothing is something that God gives you to help fulfill your real job. Every believer is an ambassador of Christ. And we've had this moment we need to recognize and take our responsibility to win souls and make disciples and walk in the power of God. We've been called, and many of us, when we've had that calling it's great. It's awesome. Where maybe you're at a church service or you're talking to the Lord and His peace hits you. The peace of God overflows your life and it's awesome. And maybe you were healed and delivered and you had this great emotional moment and this passionate moment in God and it was awesome. And then you went down through the weeks and months and years and that power is left, that power is forgotten some. We have a moment like this. If we go over to John chapter 21, you have a moment like this where the disciples thought that Jesus was going to take the kingdom of Israel and completely restore it like it used to be. But what Jesus was doing was actually creating the kingdom of God like it's supposed to be. And then they killed them, and they were confused about that, and they were kind of down about that. And then Jesus appeared to them, and but now he's appeared to them, and they thought they had all figured out. They thought they knew what they were doing. It's kind of like a few years ago when we had the Festival of Faith, and we're preaching, and it's awesome, and it's great, and then the next year comes a virus. And all of a sudden when this virus comes in, it's confusion. Like, what's going on? How do we do this? How do we grow our churches? What are we doing? And this is the moment that the disciples are having. Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem for this promise of the Holy Spirit, but they didn't understand what that was. They're confused. They, they don't know what to do. Now watch this. Their calling back in Luke chapter 5 has probably long been forgotten. The power of that day that made Peter hit his knees at the feet of Jesus and tell Jesus, I I can't be around you, I'm a sinful man. The power of that moment had been forgotten. The power of the fish, of, of the amazing produce of fish, it had been forgotten. The power of that moment had been so forgotten, but yet yet here they are now and they don't know what to do. 
It's very similar to our moment today. At the last of the last days, when God told us that as the time draws near, assemble all the more. The the closer you get to the end of time, assemble and gather more and more and more. It's a commandment to you and I. And all of a sudden you see that in this moment, when they're confused, when they don't know what's going on, we see a picture of us today as well. John chapter 21, verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat. One of the things that happens when we don't know what to do is we'll go back to something that feels comfortable. We'll look for comfort. When we're confused, when we've forgotten the power of the calling, when we've forgotten the power of that calling, we'll go back to what's comfortable on the flesh. We'll go back. In other words, what thing in the flesh maybe we put down at one time, we'll go back and pick that thing back up. Jesus called them away from the boats. What are they doing going back to the boats? Jesus called us to be soul winners and disciple makers. What are we doing sitting home? What are we doing waiting around? What are we doing? Not standing, but sitting. What are we doing in this moment? It's time to rise up and be who God's called us to be. Here they are, they go back to their comfortable. They're they're like you and I. They have thoughts that they have to put down and they go, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what's comfortable. This is is what I did before. I guess I can do it again. And and many times, this is how I used to think. And so now, you know, because of this weird situation going on in the world, maybe I'll, I'll just go back to thinking like that again. No, no, no. No, it's time for the harvest. It's time for God to show up, and he's looking for people that can be used by him. He's looking for people whose heart is expectant, whose heart is faithful, who see with eyes of faith. It's harvest time. Lord, I'll be used by you. I'll be used by you. It's time, just like in Isaiah 6, where Isaiah was not ready. He knew that he was living amongst a people of sin and that he was a sinful man. He said, Lord, I'm, I'm a dead man. But he went from that and one touch of the fire of God changed him from being a dead man in his thinking to a man who stood up and said, here I am, send me, send me. One touch of the fire of God. Will you receive that touch tonight? Here at this fire in John 21, there was a change in the hearts of the disciples as well. I want you to see it. Verse 3, they went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing, just like in Luke chapter 5. But when the day was was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet... The disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast on the right hand, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore the disciple 
whom Jesus loves, said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. Now, what I want you to see is this. For the person that will hear the word of the Lord, throw the net again. God will renew a calling inside of you. God will make that calling fresh and new again. You may have been beat up. You may have been discouraged. The devil may have tried to put heaviness on you. But if you will simply hear, Lord, give me your word. Tell me what to do and I will do it. Lord, just talk to me. Show me. I'm going to hit my knees just like Peter did in the first meeting. Lord, I submit myself to you on my knees. Lord, give me a word. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Forget about what the world's telling us to do. Forget about what the news is telling us to do. Forget about what everybody else thinks. Lord, I need to hear from you. And all of a sudden, in a moment, one word can change everything. And the person who was so excited when they first called, but then heaviness came, and they feel like they're beat down, they've got nothing left. But all of a sudden, that person that hits their knees in front of the Father, hits their knees in front of our Lord and Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, hits their knees for the Holy Spirit to direct. The love of a father will come in and he will bring a supernatural power. He'll bring an anointing of supply. He'll bring a refreshing of the calling of God. The calling is the same in Luke 5 as it is that's reminded in John 21. It's the calling of God, not just with a word and not with just a go get them, not not just with giving us cheap words only. No, but it comes with words and power to fulfill those words and anointing to get it done. Is there anybody that's listening to this that will hit your knees in front of the Father and say, Lord, I humble myself to you today. Lord, renew that calling inside of me. Renew that calling inside of me. They got up there. They were out there trying to catch fish again. They got up to the beach and found that Jesus already had fish for them. There's a supply in God that we can't see yet. But if we will simply give ourselves to God and humble ourselves to Him, He will bring up that calling on the inside of you. He will cause that fire and faith and hope of God to rise up inside of you again. He will cause that love that you used to have. He'll cause that love to be made new and fresh again. And you will be renewed and people around you will say, what has happened to that man? What has happened to that lady? What has happened to that youth? What has happened to that child? Something's different about them. It's the fire of God. 
I just call you right now wherever you're at. Get on your knees or stand and raise your hands, but cry out to God. Cry out to Him. Say, Lord, today I receive from you. Give me your word. I will stand. I will put down the flesh. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and fire. Cry out to Jesus today. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I believe that you came back to life from the dead and raised me up and saved me. Jesus, I ask you, baptize me with the Holy Ghost. Jesus, I ask you, baptize me with fire that I can be touched by you and the word of the Lord can come alive inside of me again today. Right now, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want you to receive this as I pray. Lord, right now, fill your people with the Holy Spirit. Fill your people with fire. In the name of Jesus, that spirit of heaviness and discouragement, loose your grip in Jesus' name and fall off forever in Jesus' name. Let them be loosed and free to do the great and mighty works of God. Lord, right now, I see it. You're calling up people that will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I know you're talking to me. Hold your hands out right now and let God Almighty anoint your hands for healing. Lord, let that anointing come in their hands. Let them feel that right now as a sign that they're going to be used by you starting this day in Jesus' name. There's more that you realize that you will be used for great works of God's deliverance, that you will cast out demons with a word in the name of Jesus. Lord, let that deliverance and that anointing for deliverance come on those people, their gifts in the body of Christ. Let it come on them now. Let every believer walk in these things greater. Lord, let them be filled with your spirit and speak with new tongues. If you're desiring to be filled with the spirit right now, by faith, speak in that heavenly language, in the name of Jesus. Pray with me by the Holy Spirit. Pray with me now. Lord, out of their bellies, cause rivers of living water to flow. Lord, let them overflow now. Let that overflow of the Spirit be gushing inside of them and out of them and into their neighbor and into the streets of the Philippines and let your glory be seen. Lord, let your glory surround them, fill them, and overflow them so that people get healed just by coming close to these believers, these ministers. Let this fire of God come on them now. Let a baptism of fire that changes them them forever. They'll never be the same. Fill them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Let them walk lit up on fire for God and let the people that they come near be touched by that fire and their lives be changed. Father, right now, 
I call out every disease, named or unnamed. It is under the name of Jesus. Every person dealing with sickness and disease or a lack of wholeness in their body, be healed now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, be healed. Take your healing. Just say it with me. Say, Jesus, I take my healing by your stripes right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your restoration flood them. Let everything that's not of you fall off and let restoration flood them. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person. Let them be protected from every work of the enemy. They are kept from the evil one. Even in the midst of a corrupted world, they are kept. They are hidden in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, Lord. Father, right now, let every person that's dealt with anything that's not of you be delivered and set free. Every evil and demonic spirit that has attached itself for each one that would have it in their heart and they want to be free. In the name of Jesus, let every demonic spirit now be bound, loose your grip, and release that believer, that beloved of God, that child of God now. Come off in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your fire. Lord, now right now, on the heads of ministry, Lord, you've called for under shepherds. You've called for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Father, right now, may new vision come into their ministry, come into their heart and in their mind. Let them see with great eyes of faith where you're taking them to. Let them see what you have called them to. And Lord, let them not shrink back, but Lord, let them stand up today stronger and taller than they've ever stood before and let them not draw back. But Lord, let them see that with eyes of faith. Let them stretch their eyes of faith and grab hold. You have great plans and no plans for calamity. You're giving all the people through them a future and a hope. Lord, show them the multitudes that want, that you want to be in their ministry so that you might have glory. Show them the great visions that will change nations. Show them the great light that you will perform inside of them, the glory, your glory, that you'll give to them and they'll land on one island of the Philippines to the next, to the next. And when they step foot, demons will flee. Revival will happen and the nation will be changed. Let it happen now. Father, we thank you for it and we praise you for it. Woo, thank you, Lord. Just thank him with me. Just raise your hands and thank him with me. I just encourage you right now, you are a child of God. Take your hands, lay them on your head, and just receive the blessing and the favor and the mercy of God. Lord, let every person right now, by your hand, Jesus, through them, they are the hands and your feet. They are the body of Christ. And as they lay their hands on themselves, Lord, let your anointing flood them. 
from their head to their feet and overflow them. Let it break every yoke of bondage. Let it bring freedom to every captive. Let them be energized by the power of the Holy Ghost to go to new heights. Let them know how to stand and having done all stand, let them cast off every bit of heaviness in Jesus' name and on purpose put on a garment of praise. Lord, we look, we look joyously towards your blessing and your victory all the time. And we praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Glory to God. Do you receive that anointing in your life, your home, your ministry today? If you do, shout amen. Shout hallelujah. If you receive it, shout it now. Receive it. Walk in it. Don't turn back. It's harvest time. It's time for the harvest. It's time for the harvest in the Philippines. It's time for the harvest around the world. It's your harvest time. God's calling you. Glory to God. I love you. I have missed you so much and I long to be with you soon in Jesus' name. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for allowing me to minister the word of God and bring the light and the fire of God to you today. Thank you for receiving what God has for you in this message today. Glory to God. I praise God for you. We pray for you. We lift you up. We worship God on your behalf. We praise God for you, and we love you so very much. Father, let me just end by this. Lord, you know my heart for the people in the Philippines. Father, just bless them. Overflow. I just sense your love for them. Lord, overflow your blessings in them today. Let them not be, draw back. The devil has tried to hold them back and tried to keep them under for years and years and years. But that time has come to an end. In Jesus' name. That time has come to an end. For the Philippines, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. Now, Jesus' name, I love you, and I will see you soon. I so enjoyed being with you tonight. Thank you for having me, and I'll see you soon. Pastor BB. thank you so very much again for your honor to me, and I just esteem your friendship so much. To all the ministers and the pastors that I love, I love you and I miss you, all of you, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Take this. Say it with me one more time. It's harvest time. One more time. It's harvest time. I love you.